Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And good morning. This is McNamara on Money. This is Pat Harridan. Apparently all of the McNamaras are off today. So normally regular listeners will know when I am on or hosting, we talk about employee benefits, insurance, human resources. Today is no exception. The only difference is I booked the show long before we changed the format to an hour. So I have two guests to squeeze in to my hour. So I'll try and move my questioning along. But this has been a theme for for this year, when I'm on pretty much every quarter, I've had two human resources and benefits professionals from New England basically on to talk about human resources, benefits, challenges coming out of COVID, how benefits are selected for employees, what their challenges are and all that. People have found it interesting. Obviously, our listeners are, some are employees, some are human resources professionals, some are hopefully my students listening because it's that they do. And then we have business owners and retirees who may be interested in how or what the HR professional does every day and how the, the ultimately decisions are made regarding benefits. The last show of the year that I do is typically in November, and that will be our my annual Medicare slash Social Security show because it will be during open enrollment for those. But my guest, my first guest this morning is Tony Bready. He's the Vice President of Human Resources for Werfen, and I will have Tony introduce himself. Tony, good morning. Oh, I have to wait for Tim to come and put him through. My first guest is Tony Bready, and my second guest for the second half hour is Alfred Ingbare, who's the Chief People Officer at Commonwealth Care Alliance. And again, two different perspectives from from the human resources, two different types of organizations that Again, our people are interested as to how some of these decisions get made, how benefits are selected, and how it trickles down to them, and all the also the challenges with the different types of organizations, whether they have remote workers, people in the office, uh, people working in different states, and a few of these. Tim, can you bring up Tony when you get a chance? Thank you. Tony, are you there? I am here. Now you're here. Sorry about that, Tony. <laughs> All right, that works. Tony, just if you could just introduce yourself and then just in, in shortly, briefly, and then introduce the company because I think now that you guys are using the one brand name, people may not as be familiar with. So just introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Thank you, Pat, for having me in your podcast this morning. Mm. I sincerely appreciate it. As Pat said, my name is Tony Bretty. I'm the Vice President of Human Resources for a couple of sectors of the Warfin uh, family of companies, I would say. I have the hemostasis and the acute care diagnostics business here in North America, which probably doesn't mean a lot to most people. But Warfin, some of the people may have known Warfin as Instrumentation Laboratory here in North America. Warfin is a, a very 
growing family uh, company. Uh, I think very innovative. We uh, were originated in uh, 1966 in Barcelona, Spain. That's where our world headquarters is. I operate out of Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, we're a worldwide leader in the areas of uh, hemostasis, acute uh, care diagnostics, uh, transfusion and transplant, autoimmunity, uh, among other things. We operate basically in over 30 countries uh, and 100 territories uh, around the world. And we have about 7,000 employees total throughout the world and about 3,000 here in the United States. So I, I know what none of those those segments do, but we, we may get into that. But Tony, from your personal background, so our listeners understand where you come from, give us the, the three-minute the three synopsis of how you got to HR, because as we usually find out, not a lot of people go to school for human resources and benefits. So how did you make it to the human resources function? I must be the anomaly when it comes to that. <laughs> I actually went to one of the state schools here in Massachusetts, Bridgewater State, and I can say that because I know that you teach classes at Framingham State. Yep. So I'm very mm-hmm. much an advocate of state schools. But I actually went to Bridgewater State to major in, in psychology. Mm-hmm. And I think two years into my program, they established a concentration in HR, which is probably one of the very first times that had ever been done maybe anywhere in the country. We're going back 40 years ago, so I'm dating myself now. So I graduated from Bridgewater State with a concentration in human resources with a psychology degree. Went on and got my master's degree at the University of New Haven in Connecticut in industrial organizational psychology. Started my career really as a general manager in retailing, which is a great way to learn about managing people and and dealing with all the challenges of hiring and and so forth. And from there, spent a number of years in the retailing business. People may remember there was a large regional retailer in the Northeast called Caldor, which I was at the time a district HR manager for. And then I moved out to the Midwest and joined Target. So everybody knows Target. I spent several years with Target opening up many stores out in the Midwest. And then my family and I wanted to get back to the East Coast. I came back and worked for Duncan Brands, the franchisor. We're in Canton, Massachusetts with them for a number of years. And then made a a significant change and got into the medical device business, which is where I'm at now. I started with J&J, medical devices. And as I said, now I work for a company called Warfin. So it's been a, a really great ride. I've had the opportunity to focus in on a lot of different aspects of HR, training and development, employee relations, being an HR business partner, and certainly overseeing a broad spectrum of functions, including benefits, compensation, HRS, training and development, and so forth. I think in a, in a snapshot, that's sort of the background of my progress as an HR professional. And it's been about 35 years since I took my first HR job back in the days. Wow. So our younger listeners, Tony, will be Googling Caldor at some point, I'm sure. But not, if I remember, I know it had more colors, but I, it almost looked like Target a little bit, right? It had a C with a bunch of, I remember it was like a rainbow type logo, right? You have a very good memory. It was like a brown, yellow, and orange rainbow logo. And the company name was from Carl and Dorothy Bennett, who were the owners at that time of the company, or who started the company. That's how they got the name Caldor. Wow. That that one I did not know. Wow. Um, So, yeah, no, that's great. Good history. And the point from your perspective is, even though you did, 
usually when in my world when we meet HR professionals they're not they didn't go to school for that psychology is obviously a good foundation for dealing with people right but but don't if you're thinking about HR and again I think our field needs some an infusion of kind of early career people we have a lot of we have a lot of people great people leaving the field Tony mentioned it's been 35 years since he took his first it was it's been 32 since I I started as well and we're getting to the point where you know in the next generation of HR and benefit professionals again my degrees in accounting we did not go to school for this but it is very rewarding very challenging especially now which we'll talk about in a second given the workforce and the sort of economy that we're in but Tony I do want to touch on just for a minute even though we're hopefully again knock on fake wood here in the studio we're coming out of COVID we're not going to go back to that stuff but given what you did or what you guys do both locally here in Mass and, and throughout the world COVID really didn't impact you from a workforce standpoint in terms of remote or anything like that given what you do or did it I don't remember there's a combination of both, Pat. Because we have uh, manufacturing, we, we actually manufacture uh, the diagnostic equipment that we sell around the world, and we have very large manufacturing facilities actually here in Bedford, Massachusetts, San Diego, California, Orangeburg, New York. Hmm. So you can't manufacture on a hybrid schedule, right? right. People have <laughs> to be there to build the products. And uh, so we had our manufacturing folks were on site working shoulder to shoulder during the height of the, of the COVID pandemic. And the positions that were non-manufactured, many of them did have a hybrid schedule, but I will tell you that our senior management team in particular thought it was very important for us as uh, senior leaders of the organization to be in the office five days a week during the COVID pandemic because we wanted to support the manufacturing people. Yeah. It didn't feel optically right or optically good for us to say, hey, we, we need you to, to be working side by side, manufacturing products to ship along the world while we were sitting at home, working from home. So we had, a, I would say, a, a hybrid version, a hybrid in that our manufacturing people and our executives were here five days a week working to make products to ship around the world. And then the other positions that were support positions, finance, some marketing positions and so forth, were more uh, able to work a hybrid schedule. R&D certainly had to be in the offices more because we have laboratories on site here and you can't operate a laboratory from home. Yeah. We'll be right back with more from Pat Harridan after this quick break. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back with more about employee benefits and HR with today's host, Pat Harridan. No, and so given where we are now, we're obviously recording this in September in 2023. What is from an H from just from an HR perspective, Tony? What's your biggest challenge right now? We talked to a bunch over the course of the show. Some say it's hiring. Some saying it's retaining training. What is your biggest challenge from where you sit? I think talent acquisition, the hiring piece, recruiting people is always going to be one of the challenges for HR professionals, especially when the economies have been good. Now there's certainly a shifting mindset for people in terms of people have gotten accustomed to a hybrid schedule. People's approach around hybrid schedules have shifted. I think companies' approaches around hybrid 
schedules have shifted to. Many companies that would have never entertained a hybrid work schedule pre-COVID have certainly shifted their mindset, and that's become, to some degree, part of the recruiting activity because people's expectations have changed. But recruiting remains always a challenge. When the economies are good, Especially in an area like, like Boston or San Diego or Orangeburg or New York where we, where we operate the vast majority of our businesses, those are highly competitive markets. Here in the, in the Boston area, Pat, there's a lot of technology companies, there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies, there's a lot of biotech companies, there's a lot of medical device companies, and you've got to compete head-to-head with those organizations. And there's, there's probably in many areas more opportunities than perhaps there are candidates to fill the role. So, so mm-hmm. recruiting and talent acquisition and keeping highly talented people in the organization is certainly a, a big challenge that, that we have to focus on. I don't see that going away anytime in the near future. Yeah, and no, and I think that's across across industries. So, somewhat related to that, Tony, what people are usually interested now that we're starting to do some more employee meetings in person and open enrollment. Obviously, for our January clients is is coming up, approaching. How did you or were there any changes to benefits offered? How would that thought process go? Whether it to be to account for the recruiting retaining issue or just the COVID issue? Did you make changes or did you keep your strategy? And obviously, given your introduction, you're coming, we're talking mainly U.S., even though you've got global, obviously, employees. Yeah. Yeah, I I think our our strategy around benefits uh, remained fairly consistent. Obviously, there was a lot of laws and OSHA regulations and and disability changes that were made in, in states throughout the country that you had to keep uh, informed of and adaptable to because because of COVID. Uh, from a benefits perspective, we've always had a very strong and competitive benefits offering here, and we didn't change that during, during the COVID pandemic. Uh, we continue to offer a lot of health and wellness uh, sessions for people, uh, especially during the COVID pandemic where people wanted to know uh, how COVID impacted them. Uh, people were getting, I think, higher levels of anxiety and stress, so we, we try to offer more of the health and wellness some of them had to be virtual webinars yeah. and, and sessions, and we would have people invited in, guest speakers that could talk about managing your stress during COVID times and so forth. But our benefit structure remained predominantly the same. We didn't make a lot of changes there. As I said before, we had very competitive benefits. One of the things I think has always been very attractive for our company in particular is, the, is our 401k plan. You're probably very familiar with those, Pat. Yep. Uh, and our 401k plan was 8% match dollar for dollar. It's been for that for many years. And that probably puts us in the top 5%. So from a total package benefits offering, it's easy to sell that when you've got very competitive benefits and you get a really great 401k plan to offer people. Because the, the retirement component is, is, is important for people, even for younger people. I remind them that you're young now, but you don't want to wait 40 years, look back and say to yourself, geez, I wish I had taken advantage of my company's retirement plan because I have nothing to show for it now. So right. for all you young people out there, uh, <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah, no, that's a we always that's always a challenge, especially with this economy, Tony. But your match is a little bit from a benchmark perspective, probably a little bit on the higher side from a from a benefit perspective. In other words, typically we don't see the eight percent. But from your perspective, you've your workforce. Do you? I mean, this is the other thing that a lot of our clients are doing, which is why I think we've had a lot of people, like you said, when you talk to our student early career people, they're changing. They change jobs more frequently than our generation. 
generation did. But is your workforce, do you still have five, whatever it is now, five generations or so in the workforce? Are you skewed younger or more later career? And does that come into play when you talk about either HR or benefits? Sure, yeah. So I will tell you that we have, we have employees here that are the first jobs out of college, and we've had people that have been here as long as 50 years. So that gives you a pretty good range of the population of people that were employees that we're dealing with. And every one of those generations has different needs and expectations. And it's, it's an interesting challenge and dynamic to meet all the various needs of the younger generations that are looking to move their careers forward and have challenging opportunities. And then the people that have been with you 40 or 50 years have had this tremendous knowledge really that has to be transferred to that next generation of leaders of the organization. They're focused on... on retiring in the next five, 10 years, whatever that time frame may be. So their needs are certainly gonna be a lot different than what you have for that, that kid coming out of college uh, that's looking for great opportunities and, uh, and career challenges. Yeah, and I think it's important for our listeners that are employees of companies to understand that not only you in HR, but you've got benefits people, you've got people in finance. The benefits that are offered to employees are not just something that they think about when it comes open enrollment time. This is a, it's a strategy, it's a philosophy, and there's a bunch of evaluations that go on leading up to this thing we call open enrollment that's taken on a different meaning now with coming out of COVID and remote work. But that's what I think employees don't understand is that there is a lot of thought put into what benefits would be, knowing that you can't offer everything to everyone, because again, as you said, <laughs> you've got a wide variety, a wide variation in your employee demographic from both in age and experience. It's difficult to find a one size fits all. And then just from a staffing perspective, we can't offer, we try, right? Everyone tries to offer multiple options to people to meet their needs. But that's probably, is that, do you think that's the most challenging part is try from a benefits, compensation's a whole nother, a whole nother section. But just from a, from a, what's your biggest challenge now on on benefits and I just I'll give you a kind of a quick heads up because Tim just gave me the two and a half minute warning so just try and do it in two because I want to spend time at the end to to wrap up the first segment here and again I apologize Tony as when I scheduled this initially it was we had the two hours now we have I have to break it down into two guests in a in an hour yeah, I think it's fun in that broad spectrum of benefits it meets everybody's needs, right? There's yep. a lot of uh, changes in people's expectations. Years ago, you wouldn't have thought about pet insurances or uh, identity theft and things right. along those lines. Everybody has medical dental, I should say. Most companies have medical dental, vision, 401k plans or some type of retirement plans, at least the larger companies do. But having uh, other things like the health and wellness piece of it has really gotten more popular. People like to understand how to manage stress, how to manage their health in, in a more proactive way. We have, we have now vans coming to our offices with eyeglass care and dental care, so delivering that on site as opposed to the employees having to go to the eye doctor or the dentist sometimes. So bringing those services on site is something we're exploring as well. So there's a real variety and spectrum of things that, that, that people are looking for. And, and like you said, it's hard to meet everybody's expectations to 100%, but you try to do things that... that will cut across all the different needs of the employees. 
Yeah, no, I agree, Tony. That's the biggest, like you said, the pet insurance one. That's actually becoming much more popular, which is a whole probably another show. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah and identity yeah. theft, because obviously there's been reach. I just got literally three letters, and now they're coming from my, used to come from my credit card and my bank. Now they're coming from my electric provider. So, yeah, so a lot of things that are interesting there. So, Tony, we have to cut it short. I apologize. Last question for me. How many job openings does Orphan have right now, do you think? Guess here in the U.S., we probably have between 80 and 100. Worldwide, it's certainly much, much more than that. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and it's engineering, scientists, lab people, yep. warehousing, manufacturing, quality, marketing, just across a broad spectrum of opportunities. Wow. All right. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate the time. Uh, again, uh, we'll have to do this again. But thank you very much, Tony. And uh, we'll, we'll go to see a uh, new guest after the break. Mm-hmm.